Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Joint Action. This podcast is dedicated to all those out there who have osteoarthritis. On the show, we unpack the truths and demystify the myths about the disease and its management. If you have joint pain and want to know more about how to manage it from the world's best experts, you've come to the right place. Without further ado, it is time to welcome your host, David Hunter. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Joint Action Podcast, where we have the opportunity to talk about online resources for osteoarthritis. Now, I've just come out of three weeks of home isolation, done on the back end of about 100 days of lockdown. Online resources, and in particular, this particular podcast, were set up to try to facilitate remote delivery of care, try to put in the hands of those people who have osteoarthritis tools to assist them with their management. So COVID-19 has really sharpened our focus and forced us to shift how we deliver care for people living with osteoarthritis. And there's been an increasing number of online resources, including websites, decision aids, remotely delivered programs, and podcasts like this one at Joint Action which have become increasingly popular in the past couple of years. With the numerous resources available, how do we know which programs are suitable and evidence-based? The ORSI Joint Effort Initiative is a collaboration between international clinicians and researchers with an interest in the implementation of osteoarthritis management programs. Their aim is to improve overall care with a focus on core interventions such as education, exercise, and weight management. And on this episode of Joint Action, we're joined by Gillian Isles and Jocelyn Bowden to discuss the ORSI Joint Effort Initiative and online resources for osteoarthritis. Our guests today are Dr. Gillian Isles, who's a physiotherapist and postdoctoral researcher 
whose main areas of interest lie in clinical and implementation research related to the non-surgical management of osteoarthritis. Her recent work has focused on the implementation and outcomes of osteoarthritis management programs that deliver recommended first-line management to people living with symptomatic osteoarthritis. Jill is joined by Dr. Jocelyn Bowden, who's also a postdoctoral research fellow with an interest in rehabilitation and management of musculoskeletal, neurological, or age-related conditions. She obtained a PhD in 2013 from Neuroscience Research Australia and the University of New South Wales. She has coordinated integrated research programs that aim to address key questions in these areas and trial innovative interventions for clinicians, patients, carers, and their families. Joss's current research aims to optimize best practice care for osteoarthritis and ensure successful implementation of osteoarthritis management programs. Hello, Joss and Jill. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to be here. Uh, it's great to have you along. It's been a, a long while since I've seen both of you face-to-face, as much as that sounds probably a little bit silly. But irrespective, I think part of this is really about remote delivery, and we've learned a lot about remote delivery of various things this year and last year, uh, <laughs> next year as well. But I'm just wondering, in the first instance, we're going to learn a little bit about the Joint Effort Initiative. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit more about the Aussie Joint Effort Initiative and why it was established? Sure. So the Joint Effort Initiative is is really a group of researchers and clinicians and consumer representatives. And we're committed to ensuring the best possible osteoarthritis care is really delivered across the globe. So we have a focus on ensuring that this care is delivered in accordance with what the research tells us works, how it can be implemented, and how it can really be adapted to suit different countries and the healthcare settings that it's being used in. So the joint effort really began when researchers with an interest in this area started to meet at the Aussie World Congress in 2016. And we really got together to share ideas and experiences and to give some tips and tricks on what worked for each other in our home countries. We really formalised the group in 2017. And in 2018, we undertook an international survey and a consensus exercise to develop some research and action priorities that we could undertake as a group. We started with about 20 members, and we currently have more than 100 in 22 countries in six continents, and we're still continuing to grow. So we have meetings every year that any members can attend, and we have workshops and working groups on different topics. That's a wonderful explanation, Joss. And just, I just want to pick up on one of the points underpinning the rationale as to why joint effort initiatives started in the first place, and it's really with regards you know, the proportion of people who are receiving appropriate care. So what we would consider evidence-based care. Do you have an estimate as to what proportion of people out there in the community with osteoarthritis are actually getting the type of care that they would receive and the impact and implications of them not receiving that care on them as individuals? Oh, yeah. Well, it's well over half people aren't receiving the care that they deserve for their osteoarthritis. We know full well what the major treatments are. Education for self-management and exercise and physical activity and, and maintaining a healthy weight. But we know that, you know, more than half of people don't receive this care, which is, which is terrible. Yeah, and it obviously has a huge downstream implications for the individuals that are affected in terms of their pain, their function, their disability, their ability to participate, mood, sleep, and so on. Now, Joss, as part of setting up 
the joint effort initiative, the group and Jill particularly identified some priorities about work that should be started in the first instance. Can you just give me a little bit of a sense of what work is currently underway? Sure. So we've got three main themes that came out of our our survey with our researchers and our clinicians. And we're working on different projects under these three themes at the moment. So our first theme is really looking at how to implement osteoarthritis management programs. So how this care can be implemented in different countries or different types of healthcare settings, for example, what would you do if you wanted to implement it in a hospital compared to what you would do if you wanted to implement it in a community setting? Um, We're also looking at how we can share resources amongst ourselves and amongst other people who might want to run these programs and how we can reduce that unproven or unsafe care that Jill was talking about. Our second theme is really looking at uh, how to measure the clinical outcomes of osteoarthritis management programs. So this is how can we make sure that what we are delivering and what people are receiving translates into good outcomes for them? So do they still have a good quality of life? Is their pain reduced, for example? So we have to be able to measure what we're doing to ensure that it's working. And our third one is around education and training. So we're looking at ways to deliver this for both people with osteoarthritis and also the clinicians who deliver their care. So this theme has already uh, developed a core competencies framework which is basically guidance on different aspects of care that should be included in any osteoarthritis training program for clinicians. And we're now working on developing an education and training program to build on that. Wonderful. It sounds like superb work and hopefully ultimately will make a big difference to the people who are out there who have osteoarthritis and how they're managed. One thing we probably should have started with, and that's probably my fault rather than anybody else's, but what is an osteoarthritis management program? And what components should an osteoarthritis management program consist of? So that's a really good question, David. We really developed a definition of an osteoarthritis management program because we just really wanted a term we could use to describe these programs that had started emerging across the world that delivered coordinated evidence-based care for osteoarthritis. So this is the definition. It's a model of evidence-based care for osteoarthritis that doesn't include surgery, that has been implemented in a real-world setting and has the following really important components. So the first one is that it has care that's really individualised to the patient, to the needs of the patient. The second one is that it's a program that goes over time and there are follow-ups, so it's not just one appointment, but there are several follow-ups over time to, to progress the patient through the program. The third one is that it has two or more components of what we actually call core OA care, core osteoarthritis care, which are the components I mentioned earlier, education for self-management, exercise and weight loss. And the fourth part of being an osteoarthritis management program is you can actually also offer other treatments as needed. And they might be things like walking sticks and um, knee braces and, and possibly psychological support, something like that. So basically, overall, the objective of these programs are to help individuals to improve their pain and their other osteoarthritis symptoms and really support people to get back to doing the things that they want to do. And that's, that's the crux of what an OAMP is or an osteoarthritis management program. Sounds phenomenal. Mm. Now, if I were a health clinician and looking to implement one of these programs, 
Can you tell me a little bit about what that actually involves? Sure. Now it's um, it's actually really complicated and very hard to do, which is really a big part of the reason why the joint effort initiative was established in the first place. So I guess first you need to think about money and who you're going to talk to, whether it's people in government, policymakers and um, industry partners who might be working with health insurance and, and things like that to see how you're going to manage to pay for the program. Next, you really need to consider where your osteoarthritis management program is going to sit. So is it best to sit in primary care with GPs and physios or is it better to sit in orthopaedic clinics at the hospital? And that's going to differ between different settings and and different types of healthcare systems. Another really important thing to think about is what are your overall goals for an osteoarthritis management program? So there's some very particular goals you might have because of something the government wants to do, say, if they're trying to reduce the money spent on joint replacement surgery. So maybe a goal of your program might be to reduce unnecessary surgery for osteoarthritis. And Importantly, you need to think about who you're going to target for your program. So probably the most common joints for osteoarthritis are knee, hip and hand. So who who was this program targeted at and how will they be referred to your program? So then you really start getting into the mechanics of how you get your patients into your clinic. And then a really important aspect is actually knowing about out-of-pocket costs that might actually be necessary for people to access the program and whether that cost will actually become a barrier to people using the program. So it's really important to talk to consumers as well and work out where those barriers are. I would say it's really important to work with a willing workforce, so healthcare professionals that are really ready and able to roll out the care, but also consider that they might need some training. So you might need to provide some sort of a training program for the healthcare professionals that are going to provide the care. And lastly, (laughs) it's probably a a big pie in the sky wish, but also really consider how you might be able to include some multidisciplinary care. So having different sorts of healthcare professionals that offer different services and different things to people with osteoarthritis so they can address the different needs of people with osteoarthritis. So you, you might be thinking about getting a doctor or a nurse to help with medications. You might be thinking about an occupational therapist to help with everyday activities at home if needed. You might want to be thinking about a dietitian to help with some weight loss and how you're going to integrate those sorts of skills into your program too. So it's not a small undertaking at all. (laughs) It does sound like a lot of work, but obviously most things that are worthwhile going after take some effort. How will we know if you're actually making a difference? What will you measure to see whether there's been any improvement by virtue of instituting that style of care? Yeah, that's a really, really important point. And um, people with osteoarthritis usually tell us that pain is a really big factor for them in dealing with their condition, but also the functional limitations that osteoarthritis can bring and being able to actually do what they want to do. So those two um, outcomes are really important to track. We try and track them in everybody, so pain and function. And and they're often through surveys, asking patients about how they feel and and rating um, how they feel on, on a scale. But there are also some functional tests, walking tests, sit to stand tests, those sorts of things that can be really, really informative as well and really um, show people's progress through a program over time. 
And there are other aspects that are also important to people with osteoarthritis, such as mood and, and sleep. And we also know that those things, we hope that those things will change for the better, but sometimes they can change for the worse over time too. So again, it'd be great to have a few of these core sorts of pain and function outcomes, but there's probably more to the picture than, than just pain and function. And if you're actually collecting all of this data from a, um, a healthcare professional level and from a, a more healthcare systems level, it'd be great if you can actually evaluate the program overall. So not just at looking at the individual level, but looking overall at, at what the program is doing for people with osteoarthritis and, and seeing what those effects are so that you can argue then for, for more funding for these sorts of programs and, and make improvements and be able to show them. So electronic data collection has just been a game changer for this and, and is really important to any osteoarthritis management program. I was just going to say, David, just a couple of things to, to add to what Jill just said was quality of life is also a really important aspect to measure for people. And some of the, the broader aspects, like can the people still get out into the community and, and do what they wanted to do? Uh, and still can they engage with family and friends and things like that? It's really important to uh, what we do. Sounds like incredibly important work and making great strides to measure things that are very patient or consumer-centered as well, which is, which is critical. Now, when joint effort first started, this was very much in its newborn state in terms of osteoarthritis management programs internationally. But since that period of time, a number have developed around the world. Can you just tell me a little bit about some examples of the more common osteoarthritis management programs and who they might be appropriate for? Sure. So I might start with our favourite program. It's only favourite because it's sort of our baby here in New South Wales, which is the Osteoarthritis Chronic Care Program. It's available in every public hospital in New South Wales. It's led by physios, but generally has a multidisciplinary team, meaning that patients get access to lots of different types of healthcare professionals. It, it covers off those really important things such as um, education, physical activity, exercise and weight management if needed plus add a whole host of other sorts of interventions as well. And that's usually run through the outpatient programs in public hospitals. The healthcare system in, in the UK is very coordinated like it is in Australia and they do have public general practice service. So they've actually rolled out some really great innovations and osteoarthritis management programs through the UK and through Europe. So there's one that again covers those core treatments we were talking about that involve a, a GP and a nurse and sometimes physiotherapists and pharmacists, and they're based in, in outpatients in primary care. So that's the Jigsaw E program. And then just for something a little bit different in totally, well, not always in the, in the private sphere, but often in the private sphere is the GLAD program. And that's for people with hip and knee osteoarthritis. And I should say the other programs are too, except Jigsaw Re does do hands and foot. But um, GLAD has actually run out of physio practices and they are our GLAD physios in Australia that have rolled out the program. It originated in Denmark. So there, again, it's a, a physiotherapy-led program. But I believe in different parts of the world, there can be a few other different healthcare practitioners involved, particularly in, I'm going to say, Hong Kong, but I might be wrong, where they've um, got some more orthopaedic surgeons involved with it. And there's also a, a very large group of physios who run GLAD Canada, 
and that's more of a um a, a public health system there too. So another really interesting one is the BOA Better Care for Osteoarthritis program in Sweden. It's been going for quite a long time, um, probably since about 2010, I believe it was one of the, the, the earlier ones to get started. Again, is for people with hip, hip, knee and hand osteoarthritis, but they can actually see people with shoulder problems now too. Again, similar sorts of treatments that are um, offered to patients and is physiotherapy or occupational therapist led. There is a, there has been a private online version of BOA that's been rolled out called the Joint Academy. And the Joint Academy is actually, it's all available online and you do get face-to-face dialogue with a physio or other healthcare practitioners, but you can actually do a lot of it outside of real time. So that's an, an example of an online osteoarthritis management program that really got up and started before COVID came along. So that's been going great guns and I believe has has spread throughout a few international places as well across the world. So that's just a bit of a flavour for some of the osteoarthritis management programs. There are lots more that I haven't mentioned, particularly in Scandinavia and, and in the US, there's a few programs as well. So it's really exciting that these international programs are popping up in, in lots of different places. They really are following best evidence care for osteoarthritis, and which is the most important thing for everyone. That's a marvellous description, Jill. Now, obviously a lot of information, but if someone was really interested in this topic and they wanted to get more information on osteoarthritis management programs and other resources, where might they go? We've just launched the Joint Effort Initiative website. And this has a lot of information on who we are, what we do, links to our work, but also links to other people's work. It's a really great starting point for anyone who'd like an introduction to both us and also osteoarthritis management programs. Another site that we've recently set up, this was set up last year in response to COVID-19, which obviously presented a really major barrier for people attending in-person osteoarthritis management programs. So the implementation theme of the joint effort which is led by our colleagues at Keele University in the UK, they set up an online repository and it has lots of links to existing online programs, many of the ones that uh, Jill just described, and it's also got some links to some training resources. So its focus is mostly towards clinicians, but many people with osteoarthritis have found it particularly useful as well. That's brilliant. And what we'll do is we'll include links to both of those sites that Joss just mentioned in the show notes, along with a number of other links that Joss will likely get into in a couple of minutes time. But for all of you who want more information, that should include a lot of information pertaining to holistic osteoarthritis management. Now, Joint Effort Initiative sounds wonderful. What are you planning to do next? So the next steps for the joint effort initiative is basically trying to cover off the very big problem that a lot of healthcare professionals actually don't have the training they need to deliver their recommended osteoarthritis care. And so we have the absolute privilege to be currently developing and evaluating an e-learning program, which will be available for healthcare professionals. And we're hoping to make some of these um, resources freely available. And Another really important aspect of what we're doing at the moment is we're really trying to reach out and improve our collaborations 
with consumers, so with people with osteoarthritis. So we've got very close links with some wonderful people at the Osteoarthritis Foundation International or AOFI and with the Arthritis Foundation in the US and the OA Action Alliance. But we really, really need to increase our collaboration, working with getting brains together of consumers to make sure we continue this work in a way that's really helpful and most helpful for people with osteoarthritis. And the last thing that we're really really interested in doing as well is finding out what's happening in low and middle income countries. So we're very, very lucky where we are here in Australia and, and obviously in Europe and the US and Canada. There's, there's a lot of new programs coming and have been established, but we still don't know what's happening in low and middle income countries. So we do know that there's a lot of people there with osteoarthritis. It's very, very prevalent. And we really want to find out about what people there need and, and what they want and get more people involved from those countries so that we can, can start to help make recommended care more accessible to people with osteoarthritis. Great effort and hopefully something that will bring markedly better outcomes to people out there who have osteoarthritis. Now, obviously, we started the show with a little description about the challenges people who have osteoarthritis face in getting appropriate care, which to a large extent has probably been accentuated, made worse uh, by the whole COVID experience over the last couple of years. And so I think one of the huge parts of what both of you are really trying to do is provide better access to sources of information out there for people who have osteoarthritis so they can implement better care. But I'm just wondering if you could just give me a little bit of a description about what some of those resources might be and some of their pros and cons. Certainly. So, David, the first thing I'd recommend to anybody who's looking for information, especially if it's information online, is to really make sure that it's provided by a trusted organisation. And sometimes that's, that's hard to tell. So really question what you see on social media or mainstream media. Some of it's accurate and some of it's less so and some of it's out of date. So who was promoting it and how recent is that information? So sometimes it's a bit of a judgment call. If the information itself is not promoting exercise and physical activity as a, as a primary treatment, then you should probably question the rest of the information that's being provided. Uh, it's, it's the key information that any site should sort of have. We obviously have the, the Joint Action website of which these podcasts are part of. The site itself includes links to a range of education materials on osteoarthritis. These are based on the most current research. There's also some interesting links to exercises for knee osteoarthritis developed by our colleagues around the world, particularly the University of Melbourne, and some tips to walking and exercising outdoors for older people. They're really interesting resources. We also have some links on that site to resources in Spanish that have been provided by our colleagues at the Osteoarthritis Foundation International, which is in Spain. Uh, so if anyone speaks uh, Spanish out there, there's some great resources in that language for you. Another fantastic site is the My Joint Pain site, and it's hosted by Arthritis Australia. Arthritis Australia is a consumer and patient advocacy group for all types of arthritis in Australia, not just osteoarthritis. Uh, the My Joint Pain site has a lot of different videos and resources on how to live well with arthritis. It also has some tools that, that uh, you can use to undertake your own risk assessment for your osteoarthritis and another tool that allows you to develop your own management plan. Uh, it's got lots of readings on there as well. 
Most of the Australian states have similar arthritis organisations and their websites often have more local information as well, so they're, they're worth a look. A more broad website is the MPS MedicineWise site. Um, this is another Australian site. It discusses both lifestyle treatments and also some of the pharmacological treatments for osteoarthritis. And it has uh, some good discussions on the pros and cons of using both of those. So if you're really thinking about using medications, that's a really great site to go and have a look at. For any of our listeners who are outside of Australia, look for the arthritis foundations or organisations in your own country. They usually have local links on their websites. A few examples are the Osteoarthritis Action Alliance in the US, the Osteoarthritis Foundation International in Spain, which I mentioned previously, Arthritis Canada, and Versus Arthritis in the UK. Many other countries have arthritis foundations, um, so look them up in your country and, and they'll have some fantastic uh, information in your languages. Just a couple of others. There's some weight management ones for healthy eating. The CSRO Total Wellbeing Diet and the Healthy Weight for Life have weight management support programs to help you with any resources you may need. Also, the, the Dietitian Association of Australia website is another excellent online resource. And uh, we'll, we'll send a, a list around of, of some others for people who are interested in, in other aspects. Spectacular summary, Joss. And again, just to really reinforce that all of those links that Joss is just alluding to will provide in the show notes. So hopefully that provides a lot of helpful information. Now, for people who are out there who've been really inspired by what both of you have had to say today, who want to get more involved in the Joint Effort Initiative, how might they go about doing that? Ah, well, this is where we get to say, have a look at our website, the new Joint Effort Initiative website. You'll find there are emails for Joss and myself there on the website. We're very happy to hear from you, whether you're a clinician or a researcher or you're somebody that's living with osteoarthritis and you want to be more involved with this work. We'd love to hear from you. Great entree and really a huge thanks to, to both of you, but particularly to also to, to the members of the Joint Effort Initiative for all of the work that they put into this over a long period of time. And to Orsi. So Orsi, for those of you who've listened to that acronym as we've spoken today, is the Osteoarthritis Research Society International. It's a large international grouping of researchers, but they've been kind enough to support the work that we do and also to host the website. So I guess in closing, any final words, Jill or Joss, any commentary for patients who are out there with osteoarthritis that you want to leave behind? I'd just say keep moving. Don't stop. Try and do what you love, even if you have to do it at a slower pace, but uh, don't stop. Great advice, Joss. Yeah, I think that is great advice. And, and I think on the other hand, if you feel like you really need help and you need some guidance, there are people around that know exactly what to do and, and how to help you. And if you don't get the answer that you think, and, and when Joss said, if exercise isn't on the list of things to do, you probably need to speak to somebody else and um, and get some some good advice from somebody else. So keep asking. Yeah, similarly good advice. And as you say, don't live in isolation. There's plenty of people out there who are wanting to help you, willing to help you. So you shouldn't need to suffer silently and go and reach out. So this week is got a lot of bone and joint celebrations happening and today specifically is world arthritis day and when this gets released next monday uh, those celebrations will still be going on but this is really an effort to try to highlight one important initiative that's going on in this space specifically joint effort initiative and the wonderful work that's being driven 
by both Joss and Jill. And thank you both so much for the time, for the insights, for the thoughtful commentary on really important piece of work and, and obviously your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Thank you very much for having us. Really hoping that you found the content of today's show helpful. As mentioned, we've put plenty of links in the show notes that should provide valuable resource for you with regards repositories for osteoarthritis management programs, sources that you can go to to seek information about exercise, about weight loss diets, about assistance for mood, sleep, and a whole host of other information resources. Again, your care is in large part your responsibility. The better informed you are about your own care and its management, the better off you will be longer term. By all means, seek help and get help from health professionals who are out there. But again, the more engaged, the more informed that you are, the likelihood is that your outcomes will be better. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you. I really appreciate that opportunity and really looking forward to the opportunity to speak to you again in the very near future. Do take care of yourselves and hopefully someone else. See you soon. Thanks for listening to Joint Action with David Hunter. If you like our show and want to know more, visit www.jointaction.info. If you have any questions, you can email us at hello at jointaction.info and follow us on Twitter at jointactionorg. This podcast was hosted by David Hunter, edited by Vicky Duong, music produced by Jordan Hunter. The information posted on this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Anyone seeking medical advice should consult a health professional. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.